0: Welcome to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We wrap up a trading week with a lot of interesting discussions going to happen during this next uh, 13 minutes obviously we've had some outside market influences we've got recent weather models that has we've even factored in now let's go north where I'm talking you know North Dakota into Canada these weather patterns and what does it mean for us here in the Central Plains if you saw the drought monitor of yesterday you know orange is my favorite color but not like this then uh, you can hear my guests giggling in the background but on the backside it, we're gonna look at Packer influence Uh, bullish I love the statement really bullish like a dog with fleas we're gonna talk more about as Darren Fry joins us he is with Water Street Advisory and as we look at what's going on in this trade I mean orange I said is my favorite color but not on a drought monitor map
1: yeah I mean we really got some some problems here Susan and and thanks for having me on again I always enjoy being with you but if you take a look at the weather in North America and what gets planted up in that North Dakota the Upper Plains Montana southern Canada you know you got you got obviously your small grains barley and oats and spring wheat and the durum and you got some of the the canola and and sun uh sunflowers but you know you you got just a uh, uh, a number of of crops that need to get in early including lentils that are grown up there and it this this drought is encompassing you know really the major growing area of Canada as well and so uh the weather forecasters I talk to don't see a lot of relief coming from that area. And I know they're, you know, under D2, D3, and in some cases even D4 drought up there in that area. There's a lot of shades of orange and rust color uh on those maps. But in the end, there needs to be a major rain that comes through there to break that drought cycle. Right now we don't see it. And I think if we get out here, you know, another four to six weeks and haven't seen it, They're in real trouble up there. And that's also where uh, some of our corn acres were expanded. You know, North Dakota took on a lot of those corn acres and and more in South Dakota, and Minnesota as well. So that all bears watching. But I think there's some challenges coming for those farmers in that area.
0: Very much so. I want to jump a a little bit south and let's go into Kansas and Oklahoma. I was reading um, earlier in the day that maybe winter wheat hasn't factored in this recent cold snap that's come through and, and what it means to this crop in the near future.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. You know, I don't get real excited over cold weather or freezes. It seems like wheat has the ability of a cat, like nine lives, to come back from a lot of different stresses, but uh, it definitely will put some stresses on that crop, and and I don't think uh, this cold weather is going to do any good. However, you know, again, like I said, I've seen wheat get really beat up and then yield close to record. So, so much of that has to do with what happens after the freeze, how it warms up, the moisture it sees and if the plant has the ingredients to recover. But um yeah, I think there is some concern over that. And I think more than that is just after this, I think I see the drought deepening out west. I mean, they've had some good moisture that has reduced the drought concerns. There's no question, especially Nebraska, Kansas, through that area, I mean, they've been helped and the drought monitor showed that as it receded there uh, after that rain that they received three, four weeks ago. But it doesn't take long with the right conditions to bring that right back. And I'd say that'd be the concern as wheat will be made you know, in late April through mid-June out there. And so they're going to need more moisture, especially after this cold weather leaves.
0: You brought up and you talked a little bit about the factor of what's going on with North Dakota and those expanded corn acres. But just looking at the, the central U.S. as a whole, do we have to really start thinking about the what-ifs and will it be factored in? if the corn doesn't get the acres they need if we don't get the moisture we need all those different factors
1: yeah i I think it will i think the challenge for us in 2021 uh, 2021 market and and growing season really is just that if you look at at 91.14 million acres that's what we had on the planning intentions report here a couple weeks back Um, Whether we get more acres or not, I don't know. I mean, I, I talk to a lot of good people who don't believe they're gonna show up. I talk to good people who think they are gonna show up. Personally, I think we're gonna see a few more acres, but I don't think we're gonna see four or five million more acres for those two crops. We might see a shifting of acres between those two crops, but there's so many other minor crops that are bidding for these acres, like sorghum in Kansas. I mean, the Milo crop. I know six, 700,000 acres that have disappeared from the corn acreage base in Kansas and been switched to Milo because of where the basis is. So when you see that happening, but you also see what's going on in the oil world with veg oil, you have to wonder if we're going to get all the acres we need for corn and beans. So, um, you know, let's put that aside and assume we get them. We still got to then grow 179 bushel crop on corn and a 51 bushel crop on beans and you know you just go around I, I I work with Kirk Hens from BAM and Eric Stodgrass, people know who those names are but you know I meet with them frequently and, and uh, weekly and, and in some cases daily and we talk about probabilities and when you look at the United States you start seeing like oh there's some problems up here in North Dakota, South Dakota parts of Minnesota, oh there's some problems in Michigan, Wisconsin, there's some problems creeping in from the West, it's a little too wet in the Delta right now and you start looking like the I states are great but will they remain great? I, I don't know, but really to hit 179 or 51, you kind of gotta hit it on all cylinders, right? And it's starting off a little rough. So uh, to get this yield that we need, it's not impossible. And I'm not saying it can be done because I know the American farmer's great at what he does. And I know that we have great weather patterns here in the United States, great soils. But I'm telling you, it's still a stretch to think that we're gonna come up with all this, especially if we don't get the acres. And so that's where the pressure is going to be to perform is, um, you know, first the acres and then can we average that type of yield.
0: And that's definitely going to make for some exciting USDA reports every month.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, every time I know there's a USDA report, I don't get much sleep before it and I have anxiety right up to it. So
0: <laughs> You and everybody else. <laughs> well, stick around.
1: Yeah, right. It will be a lot of volatility this summer, I think, for sure.
0: All right. Well, stick around, folks. We come back. We're going to talk about what happened in those May beans, 1433 and a quarter. We'll take a look at the livestock and more. It's the final Final Bell on the Rural Radio. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we are continuing that conversation today with Darren Fry. He is with Water Street. And we left uh, kind of hinting a little bit about what's going on with these May beans. 1433 and a quarter, up 15. Not a bad way to end the week.
1: No, not at all. I mean, if you take a look at the action soybeans have really perked up since that crash and burn on monday that we had and then it picked up tuesday was good it was kind of turnaround tuesday and then followed through a little bit on wednesday more on thursday today was another excellent day um you know corn kind of lagged yesterday and today after you know getting over six dollars there on wednesday thursday trade but then it's kind of you know pulled back a little bit so these commodities continue to, you know, hand off the lead, right? Like beans lead, and then corn leads, and then bean leads again. So I wouldn't be surprised to see corn take off again next week. But right now, beans had the leadership position this week.
0: Uh, real quick, before we jump over to Livestock, uh, what are you hearing on the the corn crop in Brazil?
1: Well, the Safrina cor- corn crop is is struggling. You know, I cover that about daily on my Before the Bell uh, that I put out an audio report, but. You know, every day I get new reports and looks like that central southern area uh, is just, they've only had like a half an inch of rain in the last 45 days, they're super dry. And that's that's the Paraná area, that's down in Sao Paulo, uh, Santa Canaria, Rio Grande, do Sul. that southern area. You know, the states up north, like Mato Grosso, where a third of the corn's grown, Goyas, uh, Minas Gerais, those areas, Bahia, that grow the other half of this crop, they're in pretty good shape. They're a little late planted but i would say half the crops in pretty good shape half the crops really not good at all and uh, i think you know what that means to us as uh, american farmers is hey we got a good export market we we know the ethanol grind is on the uh, rebound but you know what does exports look like come summer when that safreina crop gets harvested in mid july and begins to compete with us i think it could be really reduced and you know the usd is still like 109 but I think they're going to come down in subsequent reports. They're going to have to. This crop is being reduced every week. It goes without rain.
0: So before we started this program, you made a comment which made me laugh, but it's really bullish like a dog with fleas. And as we talk about what's happening in the cattle market, I think there's a few cattle guys out there that are going to be agreeing with you.
1: Yeah. You know, when I when I talk about a dog with fleas, I'm looking at price action, like whether it's you know but the hogs have had a huge rally and now they're on a correction but the, the cattle have never had their their day in the sun so to speak front and center and really when you look at the fundamentals both domestically and then what we're doing in the export market it's bullish and the packer have, has really had control of this market their their margins are huge I mean I figure the packers are making 500 bucks uh, plus and some people figure even a lot more than that but there's room for them to bid up the cash but so far they're still really in control of this market, but I am so bullish the fundamentals, and yet the market acts like a dog with fleas. It just lays down and itches, you know, and, and I think that we're going to change that, but um, we haven't seen that breakthrough yet, but I, I can't believe we're not gonna be trading 125, 130 here real soon on the cash side. We are kinda hanging in that 118 to 121 area now, but you know, we were at 114 for what, six or seven weeks, Susan? Yeah.
0: Something
1: like that? and we finally busted out of that but now we're we're stuck again but uh, i think once hogs get done with this correction and start heading north i think cattle will be cleaned up we know weights are coming down and then boy maybe these two can run together because i think meats um, really have some upside here as we move into summer into grill season
0: yep lots of demand headed our way but from a packer perspective there's been some frustrations
1: yes very much so i agree the beef is on fire i mean last week what well, we saw choice and select do, and when you look at it i mean we're starting to you know pull down numbers we're starting to pull down weights we see a contraction the hog herd. i mean it, we have a food inflationary thing starting and and it, you kind of see it everywhere and so i think the meats will come along here and i'm really expecting maybe all-time new highs and hogs this summer i mean why not um, you know, definitely the 120 area, I think, is where we're heading hogs. But, hey, we might take a shot at 134, the whole high from 2014. Who knows?
0: At this point, it's just have some patience for these livestock.
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly right.
0: What are some other key factors that you're looking at in this livestock trade that we need to keep an eye on as we get ready to head into a new week?
1: Well, I, I really think a lot of it has to do with just the attitude and the optimism optimism around the recovery of the economy. I mean, we saw a lot of stimulus come in, but, but are we seeing COVID? You know, like in our state of Illinois, we've seen a resurgence. Well, I don't want to see that because that scares people and then they don't go out to the restaurants and the food service companies might have a slowdown. We're just hitting on all cylinders right now because we're assuming we're going full throttle head into late spring, early summer.
0: All right. Sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you?
1: Well, a couple different ways. They can just look us up on the web, and we're at www.waterstreetconsulting.com. Uh, or they can give us a call at our office at 309-680-1222. Or they could follow me on Twitter. I'm at fry underscore WSS.
0: All right, that's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.